and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast on the internet with the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. My name is Ryan, and I will be your host for tonight. Hopefully by now you understand that if you're not hearing Greg, that means that he's not on the show. There's no way that he would ever not host just to be on a show. He's got an ego the size of his balls. His balls are big for those who are not tuned into Greg's YouTube channel. With me, as always, is not tonight my competitor, but my close, close friend. Mike, how are you? That's all I've ever wanted to hear. I'm doing great. We're going to just do a bro-down, hoe-down, just you and me talking about this movie. No com- no competing for friendship. I don't even think movie. Like, let's just talk about our relationship. Ooh. So with each other? Yes. Just the oral history of Mike and Ryan? How did we meet? You know how we met. You fucking know it. And the fact that you're playing coy right now freaks me out. So, you know what? Fuck you. How about that? We are going to talk about a movie. I am against you, but coming in hotter and harder than I have ever been, against you more than anyone ever has been, is Jack. Jack, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Jack, this is your first time on Movie of the Year. Are you ready to get world famous? Uh, how about uh, Big Time? Maybe I was yes. born ready. Okay, these are all great phrases to use. <laughs> I would keep all of these phrases going. I just wanted to have a B, an A read and a B read for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of cut that cut that up, slice it, dice it, use it however you want. Um, I also, uh, I enjoy talk to the hand, and then um, if somebody is coming at you, um, just say at the end of the day. And that is really how you're going to get points. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to describe how, the, explain how the show works. Um, you guys are duking it out to see who wins, to see who will become my best friend, and also who knows the most about Bad Boys for Life. That is the movie for tonight. Is it confusing that it's not the fourth one? Yeah, I, I really thought there was a, a third one a few years Bad ago. Bad Boys 3 Life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, at the end of the day, I, it's not, though. At the end of the day, this is the third one. At the end of the day, talk to the hand, Bad Boys 3, because you're not here anymore. Michael um, Bay couldn't even be uh, asked to show up. Well, he's too good of an actor right now. Um, yeah, so I don't know what they're going to title the fourth movie, but let's talk about the third movie. Let's start with your guys' history with the franchise. Are you bad boys celebrators? Uh, Jack? Um, so I have seen Bad Boys 1, which was the one with Henry Rollins, I believe. Um, Most famously, that's what it's known for. Famously, Henry Rollins. Not seen Bad Boys 2. Um I so I was coming into this uh, pretty dry, uh, frankly. I mean, you can kind of understand what the roles are from the beginning. Thankfully, this isn't a um, you know a continuation of the franchise that requires prior knowledge. They they kind of hit you over the head with it. Um, you know, bad things go boom, bad boys they ride go together boom. and they die together. Did you notice that despite you not seeing the second movie? Did you notice that? Um, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are friends, but like sort of opposites too. Oh shit! Uh, that was subtext, um, which I was only able to uh, put together because I'm a seasoned film watcher. Okay, uh, this is not one of your. Uh, this is this is your grandpa's movie talking show. We're gonna get into subtext, like the odd coupleness of the film. Mike, had you ever seen a Bad Boys before? Uh, I celebrate every episode of LA's Finest. Starring Gabrielle Union and Jessica Alba, but I I think maybe I saw half of Bad Boys 1 once in the 90s. Oh, my God. There's a spinoff TV show. Oh, Gabrielle Union plays Martin Lawrence's younger sister. 
in the second movie, spins out, gets her own cop show. She moves to L.A. Because after she fucked Will Smith, you got to move to the other coast. Yeah, that's true. Jada makes it necessary. Um, what did you guys think about this one? Did it do what you needed to do in this dry-ass desert of a movie year? It's not Bad Boy's fault that last weekend I watched all nine Fast and the Furious movies in three days. But did I hold it up to that scale? Yes, I did. And I got to tell you, nothing blew my socks off the way I thought it should. Jack, what would you think? I had fun. I went into this um, with low expectations because it was the third of a of a of a series that really had no business even having a sequel. Um, you know, it was it was an odd couple uh, cop pairing movie with um, two actors, one of whom uh, can really act, and the other of whom is uh, frankly a clown. Um, this guy hates Will Smith. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, Will Smith, I always see him just as a joker. No, and Jack, just, Jack, just so you know, you're starting to get your uh, conservative radio persona going <laughs> right there. Yeah, no. Goddamn clown. He's a clown. <laughs> He's a clown. And, and they won't pull their pants up, and that's one of my biggest problems with the film. <laughs> um, the, uh, but no, I mean, I, I felt like Martin Lawrence was frankly ridiculous in this movie, but, um, you know, for the most part, it was fun. Uh one of my favorite reggaeton artists, uh, Nicky Yam, uh, played the role of Zuelo and was just as bad at acting as you expect any uh, famous reggaeton artist to be, um, as was DJ Khaled. Yeah, um, man, there's a lot of competing uh, worst cameos in this movie. Yeah, and there were some roles where I was just positive that it was a cameo of somebody I didn't recognize because <laughs> the, the role the was so phoned in. Uh-huh. The way the movie treated them, the camera went up like everybody's gonna freak out <laughs> about this guy. Yeah, like the and I don't want to get into the plot too much too early, but the arms dealer was just a uh, uh, out of left field kind of hickey white guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I thought, oh, I'm supposed to recognize him, but I don't. Mike, I'm gonna guess that you sort of accidentally stumbled on uh, our overall opinion of this movie when you you were saying uh, it's not Bad Boys' fault uh-huh. that you watched Fast and Furious, but what you said there was it's not bad. Boys, you know it's that's what it is. It's not bad. It's not bad, boys. boys. It's not bad, boys. D- so, so Ryan, we did. Are you? Have you watched all these movies a thousand times? This seems like maybe. I have. Yes. Um. I Bad Boys Two. I've actually only seen once, and it is fucking terrible. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It is over two and a half hours long. It's at the peak of Michael Bay saying, "I can do no wrong," and if you think that uh, that's not true. Let me take over the Transformers franchise, and I'll, I'll show you what I can do. It's fucking awful. So is Martin Lawrence, because it felt like, one, that he, he's never been a real actor. He was, like, a comedian-turned-actor. Martin is great. It's one of the best sitcoms nobody talks about in the 90s. Uh, Black Knight is great. Black Knight is great. It, Big Baba's House 2 is great. Out of the two of them, I do think Smith has more range, and it feels like Martin Lawrence is playing against type. Uh, yes. Like, he's normally the sassy, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And it's so weird for him to be nervous. Has he been nervous the whole trilogy? If we can go back to 1996 and talk about how crazy everyone thought this was, uh, they they decided to make a big-budget action movie around two barely-known TV sitcom stars. That's what it was. Is like, let's take these TV actors and let's see if they can handle a big-budget cop movie. Which was a bit of a gamble, and also um, a, a gamble because they're not white. Yes, I, I mean, in the 90s? I mean, that's the thing is that in, in the even today, if you cast two black leads, then it, it runs uh, any big tent movie runs the risk of being 
pigeonholed as a quote unquote black movie. Luckily, they have white names, so I bet a lot of old people were tricked into going to see it, not knowing that there were <laughs> black people in it. Um, and then, yeah, the other crazy thing is that they played against type, so because um, Will Smith was like the wholesome Fresh Prince star, and Martin Lawrence was the crazy, you know, always being in trouble, always saying bad things, and so they switched those, um, and it worked kind of for that first movie. It's hard to remember back then, like, how weird it was, but it was definitely strange. It's funny. They did that for Pineapple Express, too. Right. Uh, where, they, where they have two actors who are previously known from other things, and they, they switch the types. Made Seth Rogen the straight-laced one. Yeah. Okay. I'm now sold. I want to see more combinations of this. I want to see where Rain Wilson is the cool, sexy guy, and John <laughs> Krasinski is the fucking dork, and they have to teach each other how to date. I have good news for you, Mike. Uh, we have a segment coming up later. Um, where we talk about how we forgot to t- turn what you just said into a segment. Because that would have been a really good segment for us to do on this show. Unfortunately, we're just going to talk about how we didn't do it. Before any of that, though, guys, we are going to dive directly into the movie, and you guys are going to start scoring some points. This, this is Directorial debut and solidified Smith and Lawrence as charismatic leads, with most critics saying the two elevated the tired buddy cop material and overly directed movie. Eight years later, the three went on to make Bad Boys 2, which was also financially successful but critically panned. Fourteen years after that, Bad Boys for Life was supposed to open in theaters, the now near-retirement Bad Boys arguing over how to age and work gracefully or keep on how they've always kept on. The third installment attempts to add heart and soul to Smith's playboy, Mike Lowry, with a secret family and hidden backstory, as well as some younger faces to keep the franchise going, while Lawrence mostly relaxes in robes and wonders why his friend doesn't want to act his age. Gentlemen, let's start there. Taste buds, I ask you this. How does the movie handle the obvious oldness of these two leads and using age as sort of a, a way to get story and punchlines from. Pretty good. I, so I was surprised how well it worked. I think they, they should have just not pulled punches for... I In my head, they will always be how old they were in their sitcoms. And I don't check in with them often. And Will Smith has just looked the same age for 20 years. I haven't seen Martin Lawrence in forever, so he aged. Uh, but I feel like aging him up and like, isn't it funny? But like that, you are like 60, bros. You should both want to be in robes and relaxing spots all the time. And they should have, the movie should have gone harder at Mike Lowry for acting like a 20-year-old. Yeah, I would have liked to see him. Mike. I would have liked to see Mike Lowry, you know, get a torn ACL or a, <laughs> I mean, some kind of an old guy injury. Because he is, you know, the, the character is as old as Will Smith is. He got shot a bunch. Is that? He did get old, shot a classic bunch. Classic old guy. And that just happens, you know. 
an old guy uh, will will just get turned into Swiss cheese, Sonny Corleone style, for walking uh, walking outside of the wrong bar at night. If you're pushing I, 60 and getting a foot race, you're either breaking your knee or somebody's going to shoot you a fuck ton of times. I actually think that was a missed opportunity for a gag to have Martin Lawrence be like, oh, I won because Will Smith got shot. Maybe it would have been too dark. <laughs> I, I love it. Oh, sorry. Jack. That was your point, Jack. Um, I'll give you another one. Jack. So the, the oldness is sort of around, but I don't know if it's focused on enough until we bring up the word masculinity. And that's something that the entire franchise has had issues dealing with, I will say. It's been a focus. And what the, what the movies feel like is masculine is definitely different than what real life considers masculine and definitely different than 2020 decides is masculine. Okay, we have, uh, we have these people that like, you're, you're supposed to want to, when you're a kid, be Mike Lowry. But as you get older, you sort of appreciate Martin Lawrence's character so much that you can't even remember his Marcus character's name. Something? Marcus, there you go. Thank you. Marcus Lawrence. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys think the movie did a good job of uh, pointing audiences as to sort of like what your old goals are supposed to be? I think so. I think that, you know, the stark contrast between the two characters, there was a montage scene where Will Smith is suiting up and getting ready to go shake down DJ Khaled for money at his meat shop. And uh, and it's directly contrasting him putting on his suit and getting his his guns ready with uh, Martin Lawrence, you know, getting into his lazy boy and uh, and watching one of his telenovelas, I believe. Um, you know, they, they've got him cranking the the drive shaft or not the drive shaft, the the gear on the car. And at the same time, Martin Lawrence is cranking the lever on his lazy boy. You know, it's it, it was intentionally ridiculous, but like they. Um, I don't know. And after he gets sh- after Mike Lowry gets shot, um, you know, Martin Lawrence, Marcus pretty clearly says, you've never even been in love. You don't have anything if you die. Jack. That's yeah, I think that's what we're getting to is is there enough? Yeah, uh, Marcus is a joke and Martin Lawrence has bravely, I'm going to use the word brave, why not? Uh taken on all of these jokes about being like a nerd and less than a man throughout all three of these movies, you know? But do they come to the middle enough or are we still supposed to be admiring Mike at the end of the movie? I I think it's what we've now started to call Tyler Durden theory. So maybe even if the filmmakers are saying see how lost and alone Mike Lowry is, the movie makes him look cool all the time and Will Smith is fucking cool. But it's also at the end of it when pushing 60, you should retire from the police force, especially when you're as dangerous cops as these are. But Mark Lawrence unretires. He's a fucking pop pop. He has a grandkid, and he unretires because his best friend is like, Mike. "Should we just go till we die? Because I have nothing." Like early on, when he's like, "You have nothing," and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to hold that baby because I might catch feelings." They should have gone to task from then. Again, you're 55. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to care for your family. Uh, and at the end, he's sort of watching a kid, but he still doesn't want to do it alone. Like he did not arc as I thought. The movie was definitely going to make him grow, and he barely did. Or they were about to. They were about right. to make a mark, but they decided to pick the punchline instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, um, w- one great example of them doing that was at the end when the there was the joke uh, where the guy said, the the tech guy uh, said, hey, I, I've been do- going to therapy, and it's really great. You guys want to do a group sesh because we've got all this trauma together? And then Martin Lawrence is like, man, there is no way I'm going to therapy. And yeah, Smith is guys, like, this is – this is 2020. That this was is a 2020, and you're making joke. therapy jokes. Are you serious? Those were jokes that would have been on their sitcoms in their heyday in the 90s. 
but now I, therapy is normal. And this dude is is totally right. He's very strapping. He's very good at computer hacking, and he knows you need to go to therapy. I'm surprised that there weren't more like uh, like gay scare jokes. Right. Yeah, we're gonna have like that therapy shit in there because that's also like super '90s sitcom, you know. And at no point is the movie like, haha, see how dumb and old these guys are. That's Which the thing. It could have taken their wind out a little. They do that with Martin Lawrence a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Will Smith is still supposed to be such a super badass. I wonder if Will Smith has a little yeah. too much power over this script. I know? have and heard that about Will Smith. We're going to get to that uh, about a different thing um, in the later in the show. But I wonder if Mark or Mike was supposed to arc so much more. Mike Lowry. And he didn't because Will Smith was like, no, I always have to remain above this bar of cool. You but know, that seems crazy to me because one Will Smith does have kids. Maybe he doesn't care about them. Maybe he's Mike Lowering with his kids, but he seems to care about his kids. And he's played other roles like seven pounds or whatever. He's just weeping the whole movie and tries to kill himself with a jellyfish like he's played emotionally touched people before. Yeah, um, but I, like I think that those movies and I haven't seen Jellyfish the movie, but I think those movies have him like spend two hours getting back to cool you know he still has to land at the end of the movie as the will smith even if he's in the shape of a pigeon at the end of the movie he has to be the will smith yeah i agree with that and i have heard about both will smith and the rock that they they and i'm I'm sure a lot of other action stars but they're the two that i've heard specifically have a team of writers that come in and do edits on any script that they're agreeing to do because they have public images to maintain as high status, cooler than a cucumber, um, basically alpha males. And yeah, like rewriting punchlines so they're more Will Smithy. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I will flush character down the toilet if I can just make these punchlines more like the Will Smith persona instead of whatever character I'm playing. I, I do. I I believe that those ri- part of those writers' jobs is to find at least one point in every script where Will Smith can get an oh hell no, because I like. I basically was cheering in my on my yeah. couch because uh, <laughs> because I was like he said it he said the thing he always says. And also, you have he has to put on sunglasses at one point in the mm-hmm. coolest way possible. That ha- even like in a bathtub with a jellyfish, he's gonna put on <laughs> put sunglasses, on the sunglasses and put them on the jellyfish. <laughs> when he shoots another guy, and he's like, "Do you know the difference between your bullet holes and my bullet holes? I make these look good." <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I want to get to too is that. Throughout a lot of the movie, he is convincing Marcus. We've we've dabbled around this before, but he's convincing Marcus to stop maturing, mm-hmm. stop like be like becoming a fully grown arcs person, and he's manipulating him, mm-hmm. and he's putting Marcus's life in danger. What happens when Pop Pop, you know, all of Pop 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 Pop's grandkids lose their Pop Pop because Mike didn't want to be alone for a second, you know, and the, the, because it's Will Smith, there's just no comeuppance for that. It's and just it's like, yeah, we did it, bro. We fucking saved the day. And I feel like there was a runway to, to make him learn and make Marcus seem the right one, because I, I think the most <clears throat> touching moment in the entire movie, but dealing with getting older and masculinity was Mike is laid up in the hospital in a coma because he got shot a bunch. And Marcus, who had made fun of him for dying his beard, is weeping and dying his beard for him. Yeah. And it like maybe played like a joke, but it's the most touched I've been in a movie in a long time. I was just like, that. oh, my God, I would die <laughs> Ryan's beard. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent with that. I I think that was the most effective emotional moment in the thing in the movie, and it was a joke, right? I mean, I think about what you were talking about, Ryan, about whether they do a sufficient job of um, showing the age. I think that the movie actually failed in um, 
drawing enough of a contrast between the the younger members of the ammo team mm-hmm. and uh, the bad boys. I mean, they were supposed to kind of be a next generation of uh, the bad boys and and be as interesting, you know, as the bad boys. But they're the millennial version instead of the Gen Xers, mo- uh, boomers. But yeah. um, but there was kind of there was a a an asshole Jack. There was an asshole guy. There was uh, Vanessa Ann Hudgens, whose job was just to, ca- to be kind of hot and cool. And well, she nailed it. She nailed it. And then the most interesting one I thought was the tech guy. Yeah. Uh, the heavy who had the little arc where he was a bouncer who never got in a fight and swore off fighting and then was like, I'm going to need a lot of therapy after this. Um, what? Yeah. You want to talk about clowns? What a clown. <laughs> what? You're going to go kill a bunch of people and then have to go to therapy? You clown. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Mostly he's going to talk about he's really into architecture. It was subtextual. He didn't deal with it. And he had to hurt that house. He had to bring that whole house down with his big <laughs> yeah, beefy he body. He hated the house. He, let's, he, get to, let's get to that guy in a second. Let's focus on the group of ammo, and then also, uh, we got to admit that this is the whole movie where Will Smith is trying to destroy, literally destroy his son. I don't know if we did a spoiler alert thing, but he's trying to destroy the last generation. I believe the second movie in a row where Will Smith is fighting his younger version of himself, <laughs> trying to make sure that the generation does not pass him up. And I started thinking about this, and I think I figured out why. This is kind of gross, but I think that all the girls that... Because Jada and Will have been open about their open relationship. Uh, all the girls that Will used to get, Jaden is now getting. And he's fucking <laughs> pissed about that. And he wants to punch his son right in the fucking face. So he's just writing movies about it? But yeah, uh, the fact that it's Will Smith's son is the villain. And the fact that Ammo is here are two very important things. Like Those are things that Will Smith is clearly, as a real person, trying to deal with in his real life. And even it's funny that even the movie is like, you should be a consultant. You have a lot of knowledge. Teach these younger actors. I mean, cops. <laughs> and instead he's like, no, I'm going to do it my way. Fuck you if you get shot on my way out. And poor Joe Pantoliano. I mean, I think we should dedicate a whole segment to him. But that character is had such high blood pressure throughout <laughs> the movie. And, uh, <laughs> and Will Smith's character, it, it's another punchline. Because Will yeah. Smith gets to stay cool. And be the uh, alpha. That's one thing that uh, we really have to go, guys. I don't know why you're making this segment take longer right now by letting me talk. But that's something that uh, the Bad Boys franchise has always struggled with is are we Lethal Weapon? Are we Last Action Hero? You know, like, when they d- are we Fast and the Furious? Um, when they have a screaming chief like Joey Pants, like, is that a joke? Are you making fun of the trope? Are you? Do you not know it's a trope, and you're just accidentally doing the same thing? Yeah, I think the only thing that gives it. Are you making fun of it? Is that Joey Pants is such a good actor that yeah. he's being arch. The movie is not being arch with this character, but he can twist it just enough he's that you're like, being "Oh arch, wow!" But he's also like delivering the performance like. of the movie. Yes. Yeah. You know, well. in my opinion, and this this is you know for later. There's another segment where we'll talk about it. Um, but you know, he he is. It's the death of the mentor, the Obi-Wan dying moment, to the extent that all of these movies uh, like, are written by fucking 45-year-old guys who swear by Joseph Campbell. You know, that's, <laughs> the, that's the moment where it becomes real for, uh, for Mike Lowry. Did you guys think it was weird that when Joey Pants died, uh, it just became a cloak that dropped to the floor and that was it? <laughs> just a mustard yellow shirt wafting to the ground. <laughs> I wouldn't look too far into it. I think that was uh, just a decision. <laughs> Motherfuckers, we have we have cracked this movie open. We, I don't even know if we need more show because uh, it's all done. But let's keep going anyway. 
Uh, let's move away from the movie, and let's talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Will Smith. I want to get married, but none of my shorties remind me of Jada. Maybe I'm just too afraid to settle. I wish I was planning it different. I think it's a phase. I'm very conditioned. I'm stuck in my ways. I'm scared of commitment. I'm very conflicted. I got the drip and I'm saucy. Ooh, ADHD, I'm a bad boy. I think I might just pull up in a Rari. Ooh, I might just turn up the Philly. They call me Big Willie. I think I might Larry. Ooh, ain't nothing much you can tell me. I blew through a million, threw me a party. Ooh, I know I'm the one. Damn it, I made it. I look at my son. I feel like I'm dreaming. He truly a blessing. I'm really elated. I pray that he grow up like Willow or Jaden. I know that he will. I hope he look up to me like we used to look up to Phil. I know that it's real. I lay a brick at a time for something I know I can build. I learn it from Will. I know ain't nothing gonna set us back. You take it from me, I get it back. Me and my homies forever strapped. We roll up on them like men in black. I blow your chest to your head and back. I think I done made a mess. I'm in Cali with a vest. That's the wild, wild west. Gentlemen, we're talking about a guy who has been with us for almost all of our pop culture lives, if not all of it. This is somebody who has been around in so many forms, and we have had so many thoughts. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about our feelings towards Ben Affleck and how no matter how hard we try, we can't stop loving him. Is Will Smith in a similar camp to you guys? At various times in my life, for sure, and probably higher than Ben Affleck, but I think he's had for longer a stream of poopers than Ben Affleck. Uh, like Affleck disappears sometimes. Will Smith basically has never disappeared but has not made a good thing in so long. So maybe you're saying, hey, Will Smith, disappear every once in a while. That, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Jack, what's your, uh, how did you grow up with Will Smith? You, what do you think? So I grew up uh, idolizing Will Smith because um, my family, uh, uh, when I was seven years old, my family moved to a new city, and, and it was 1999, and they decided, you know what? No more VHS player. That's the past. We're going to get a DVD player. And the two DVDs we're going to buy are Men in Black and Remember the Titans. So the only two movies that I watched for a few years were Men in Black and Remember the Titans. Um, Couldn't you have kept the v- VCR and then watched some of those old movies too? Uh, we could have in hindsight, and but when I ask my dad about it, he says it just didn't make sense at the time. Um, <laughs> All right, that's for your family. That point is for you and your family. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm still clearly bitter about it. Uh, but because of that, I had this relationship with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones where I saw Tommy Lee Jones as a mentor figure, and I saw Will Smith as the, like, cool, uh, you know, cool young cop who I could never be. Um, the person who makes this look good. Yes, exactly. And so I, I you know, I was, I was a little boy who saw Will Smith back-talking to authority figures. I was the exact ideal audience for Will Smith's 90s persona. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I loved I Am Legend, which came out when I was a little older. Um but then, like Mike said, Will Smith has released a, uh, a series of stinkers. Uh, if poopers, we're going, I believe you call. If them. we're doing batting average, then things are bleak, guys. Uh, we're going to go through his whole career right now, um, and I think batting average is the bad way to do it. Let me before we get started. We all love the persona. We all mm-hmm. a- at certain times idolize the persona. Is he a good actor? No, I think he's great at being will smith in different scenarios and making you believe that will smith he's welcoming everybody at earth and you buy it every time he's very real uh and grounds the craziest thing in his persona and it fucking works jackie retort i think he's a good actor i think that it's clear from this movie that he has put a lot of work into uh 
his chops as a I, I can't believe I just said the word chops his chops as a dramatic actor so there are scenes that shouldn't work where Martin Lawrence is kind of crying crocodile tears but Will Smith is grounding it with this kind of quiet desperation and it's clear that Will Smith is lapping Martin Lawrence in the dramatic acting scenes That's yeah true. I like Martin Lawrence a lot in this movie way more than you guys do but that would that's something I cannot argue. I cannot argue that Martin Lawrence uh, is a better dramatic actor. <laughs> have you have we all heard the theory about him that like for years him and his like team would go over box office returns every Monday morning and try to come up with some like scientific mathematical way to choose scripts about what would put him in the most popular movie? I have heard that, streak? but talk about it more. Um, if if somebody is putting that much thought into like this is. Probably post Men in Black and then getting towards the iRobot, I Am Legend era. Uh, those were all strategically picked by looking at box office returns. Does that, does that make, does that like weird you guys out? Or does that seem like a natural career move? I guess it's, it's not natural. That amount of work isn't natural. But like maybe, so, uh, maybe a lot of actors do it and some are just a little better at it. But it makes sense that if, if he's trying to moneyball acting and so yes. he doesn't care about awards or how good a movie is it's just what it'll bring in that opening weekend i know it's a movie term but it's also a sports term and mike used it mike gets the point mike. and i used it correctly you used it correctly yes sorry keep going uh so it makes sense looking at his 2000 po- post 2000s career basically uh where he's just like i don't care about anything except getting those sweet sweet dollar bills y'all yeah, I think that the my assumption is that if someone's a big movie star, that they're a clinical psycho, uh, in every definition of the term. Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not surprised by it. The same way that I'm not surprised by you know, finding out that uh, that Dwayne the Rock Johnson lies about his cheat meals so that he can get Instagram likes. And by by that logic, you, then that means that since I'm not a big movie star yet, then you guys know that I'm. Uh, not insane at all then yes yeah you're unimpeachable yes. you're the most honest man that i barely know thank you very much uh one last question before we go uh, a couple years ago leo we, we were just like prevnit was fine but we have to give him the oscar we just have to he wants it so bad and it's adorable does will smith need that oscar is that what it, like basically his career has become and does he deserve one i think he needed it a while back with like ali and and I, I do think like seven pounds and, and that string of like really cheesy lifetimey dramatic pursuit movies, of happiness like, pursuit of happiness yeah post hitch even like he has had different waves of and would be like no I do comedy again I think the best thing he's done in twenty years was Deadshot in the shitty shitty Suicide Squad movie but he like he threw everything he had of dramatic and comedy into that role and it was great anytime only he was on screen. All right, let's get to the eras, guys. Um, let's uh, let's sort of like figure out what you guys think of these eras. How important were they to you at the time, and how important are they now? What do they mean to you now? We have to start with what we're going to call the Fresh Prince era. This is 1990 to 1996. This is four. Count them up: four. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince albums. Yeah. It's 148 episodes of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and then also wedged in there is three movies that he uh, had a couple of scenes in um, where the day takes you made in America and six degrees of separation where he was letting us know that he had bigger things in mind than fresh prints while he was doing fresh prints. Um, do you guys remember even remember this time at all? 
Yeah, uh, Fresh Prince. I was West Philadelphia, born and raised, and then moved to California. Not Bel Air, a shittier part of California. <laughs> but uh, that was my opening line between like ages six and eighteen, and again at twenty six to thirty four. Uh, when people ask me about my life, yeah. it was my favorite. I think I do think it was my favorite sitcom growing up. I fucking poured over and agonized over every minute of that fucking show. Damn, okay, so I, I guess we know what we're doing after the OCD is done. Jack, were you uh, were you a part of this era? I was not. Uh, I'm a little younger. I was born in 1991, um, and so uh, I had no relationship with. I didn't watch sitcoms during that period, and when I did, to the extent that I did, it was on Nick at Night, and um, you know it was older stuff. I would watch Different Strokes uh, a lot as a kid, but uh, Fresh Prince didn't go on. Didn't go into syndication for late night uh, TV until much later. Um, until you were old enough to not give a shit. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but yeah, I have no relationship to the uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff era of Fresh Prince of Will Smith or the extent to which he kind of left DJ Jazzy Jeff behind, which seems like a stone cold move. Threw him fucking right out the door onto the porch. To the wall. <laughs> over and over again. Some idiot said, okay, I'm making this big movie. Uh, it's about aliens. And they're like, oh, let's cast this guy. He seems okay on TV. And then we enter the superstar era. 1996 to 2001 gives us Independence Day, Men in Black, Enemy of the State, Wild Wild West, shit. Then <laughs> The Legend of Bagger Vance, and then Ali becomes this transitional movie for him. Wild Wild West to Legend of Bagger Vance, that's rough. That's rough for anyone. Yeah, he was meteoric rise, and then just somebody threw a fucking frisbee and sent him into dumb land for a while. Yeah, we sort of think because uh, for a lot of these actors, you know, the biggest ones, Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Will Smith, that they were on top for decades. And it just simply wasn't true. It was like four years. And then Wild Wild West. I love Wild Wild West. I mean, this was the period. You could also call this era the um, the credits rap song era Mm -hmm. because he did that for uh men in black and wild wild west um and uh and it's great i have such a i have a very parasocial relationship with men in black (laughs) clearly but um that song the men in black 2 theme song i loved mib2 as well uh johnny knoxville and all um that cgi is so bad to watch now it is a little worm johnny knoxville oh yeah uh, but w- Wild Wild West was was that a uh, box office as well as a critical failure? Oh yeah, it was a disaster. Do you guys know what movie he turned down to be in that movie? The Matrix. It's The Matrix. That's yes. insane. So maybe maybe that was before he got the team, and now yes. he's like, I fucking need people. I mean, <laughs> maybe that convinced him ro- to robot spider. <laughs> that convinced him to put the team together, and then it feels less weird at that point. You need a team, bro. Um. So I'm still a fan. I'm still rooting for him, but uh, he's definitely uh, like you can't bank on him. You, you don't know that just because he picked it a movie, it's going to be good anymore. That moves it, us to the Let's Get It Back era. That's 2002 to 2008. And what is the way to get it back, guys, if you had a couple stinkeroos in a row? Sequel Oscar time? bait. Men in Black 2, Bad Boys 2, Now We're Okay, I, Robot, Hitch, The Pursuit of Happiness, I am legend, and I think that we're almost basically at the same level. <gasps> Hancock. And then Hancock in 2008 happened. But I am, so you're putting I am legend isn't the start of the downfall? That movie sucked. It was big, though. It, it made a lot of money. 
Okay. So we're not going on good. I forgot the Will Smith way. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking entirely about that sweet, sweet, tender cash. Uh, Hancock is a movie that I think everyone thought was going to be his next huge, huge one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, nobody saw it. Uh, I did opening night, baby. He was, but poor him. Iron Man was what? Also in two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he did predict the superhero boom. Well, there, there's several things wrong with Hancock. Is that it's he predicted like it's a superhero movie, but it was postmodern, so it should have come like five years later. And also to Mike. introduce a new character like that and get convoluted, and two of them have been gods forever. Do that in the sequel, man. The first one should just be he's a drunk superhero. Isn't that enough? Yeah, that Isn't should that be enough for a movie. <laughs> I know that logic dictates that people like you can't have a bad opening weekend because your last 30 minutes is so fucking crazy. No one will come see it. They don't know that the last 30 minutes is crazy yet. And yet I think that this movie was so batshit. People just sort of knew somehow. I do remember stink of it. I remember reading reviews about it and like, you know, because I kind of obsessively read reviews. I was in high school at the time and people were like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. This is uh, like th- it was it was one of the it was when I was just getting into movies enough to be excited by the idea of something being the worst movie ever made. <laughs> yes. But innocence. <laughs> but yeah, I think people watched the trailer and they were like, this looks this looks like everything I need. It's big budget. You know, it's got Charlize Theron. Um, I, like, this is great. But something's weird about it. There's something off about this movie I can tell from the trailer, so fuck it. I'll never see it. I have read an oral history of Hancock before. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. I don't remember the specifics, but I I know that it was a blacklist script. Uh, And then Will Smith's people basically took a fucking axe to it the way that an IRS agent takes an axe to a bootlegger's barrel, just destroying it and letting all of the essential juices flow out. Yeah. I can't believe that happened and the ending stayed, you know? Yeah, I bet he added the ending. He's like, no, I should be a god. (laughs) Uh, So Hancock came out, and we could save this. We could, but we don't. And we're going to enter into the can-it-ever-come-back era. This is 2008 to 2019. Woo, boys. Here we go. Seven pounds, a.k.a. there's a jellyfish in my bathtub. (laughs) Men in Black 3, which was... Sort of a critical okay, but a commercial. It didn't do what we thought it would. After Earth. Does anybody remember After Earth? That was, was Scientologist propaganda, wasn't it? Probably. Winter's Tale. The fuck is Winter's Tale? Nothing. Focus. Him and Margot. Margot Robbie, right? Robbie. That's his collateral? Concussion. His Ali of this his, era. Yeah. But no one's saw it. Trying really hard with the voice on that one. Suicide Squad, which, Mike, you said is okay. No, no, no. He, he is okay. His performance is okay, yes. Collateral Beauty, which, guys, I don't know if you've Ooh. heard of this doozy, but... No, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Does anybody know the premise of this movie? I, I know that people said that it may have been the worst movie made that year. That okay, it, it was I'm, the Hancock of its year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to remember because I, I did not see it. This is like... Uh, former pot filter host and uh, lover of bad movies, Taylor. This is what he told me. Um, this guy's very sad. So they hire a bunch of people, to, like <sighs> actors, to be like guardian angels and make him believe again. But then it turns out that they accidentally hired real guardian angels instead of the <laughs> actors that they thought. And it just keeps <laughs> twisting from there. That's a fucking uh, mad TV sketch. That's not a fucking two-hour <laughs> movie in the late 20-teens. After Collateral Beauty comes Bright... 
Yes. The Netflix movie. I love Bright. Come on, Jack. It, uh, earnestly? I, I think it's a fun. I mean, it's a dog shit movie, but it's a, it's a blast. <laughs> it's a, honestly, it was, I thought that it was fun in the way that Bad Boys uh, for Life was fun. That and then finally in this era is Gemini Man, which we all thought was going to be his big comeback, but then nobody saw it. <laughs> we were like, I hope everybody else sees it so he can come back, but nobody did. Poor Will Smith. When, when did Gemini Man come out? That was last year. Last year during, like, late in the year or during Gemini season in June? I think it was, uh, yeah, in June. Um, I, like, guys, at this point, are we just saying, like, we don't need Will Smith anymore? Like, should he just, like, find an HBO drama or something? I think he yeah. should move to TV. That's a good idea for him. And, like, right. dig his teeth into something for a while. Yeah, and settle the fuck down. But then we move directly into the can't keep him down era. You stupid assholes. You thought that he was gone. But 2019 to today brings us Aladdin and Bad Boys 4. Is that enough to declare a comeback? I think so. It's Will Smith, and I love him. Was he good as the genie? Anybody see Aladdin? Fuck no. <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking like that that was kind of inspired casting, because how do you replace Robin Williams? Like, a man who has more energy than anyone in the world. You just get someone with charisma like Will Smith. Right. Um, and uh, I thought that was kind of like, inspired casting but i don't know who else could have made that work i would have gone fully opposite i would have done Stephen wright just have him <laughs> be a genie and see what that was uh, like well you got these wishes guys is he back are you buying will smith's doc today no no it, mostly because i think the idea of a movie star slash a celebrity slash a film industry might be uh uh defunct <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is that like that's sort of why Bad Boys for Life sort of stands out as old school is because it's reliant on stars again, which is something that we haven't seen in a long time. We're now all about epics or showtime. Uh, let me tell you guys about the future. You guys decide if it's bright or should I say bright too, because that is one of his next four movies. <laughs> I cannot be- fucking believe that. I thought it, everybody hated it. Why well, would they make more? They don't make money. Do so they, they hated it, but movie? I believe Netflix doesn't release its internal metrics, but they said that people, a lot of people watched Bright. I guess I'll fucking watch it now. But also, uh, it also was made by now-outed sex pest Max Landis. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm going to go back to I knew, and that's why I didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, we also have Bad Boys 4 on the docket. We have The Council, which is about a uh, group of black gangsters in the like 30s. And then King Richard which is probably his next Ali concussion, uh, which is he plays the father of Venus and Serena Williams and probably screams a lot at little girls. My favorite oh, thing. That is going to be – I think I think that's going to be his Oscar. I'm calling that shit. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? He's going to be really good. Now that I know his slate, I am buying Will Smith's stock. And Shitty Dad. Like, you've pointed out how he is a yeah. real-life Shitty Dad, and so he's going to fucking crush it. Yeah, I think so. All right, so we are saying that the future is bright, too, for Will Smith. And we are all buying stock. Wait, Mike, are you buying stock? Now I am, now that I know the future. Okay, well, Wait. You're, probably, you're probably doing that just because you heard me give Jack a point. So Jack. I'll give him another one. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. I think that we have to go uh, to the Patreon area now. So we are going to uh, say goodbye to many of our listeners for a solid like 20 or 30 minutes. And you are going to not hear us talk about sex, talk about violence, all of the trivia? Fuck, you guys got screwed. That's trivia it's like, rules. Yeah, the only good part of the show is coming up next without you. I remember one year my mom took me school shopping. It was me, my brother, my mom, oh, my pop, and my little sister all hopped in the car. 
started bugging with the clothes she chose. I didn't say nothing at first. I just turned to my nose. She said, what's wrong? This shirt costs $20. I said, mom, the shirt is plaid with a butterfly collar. The next half hour was the same old thing. My mother buying me clothes from 1963. And then she lost her mind and did the ultimate. I asked her for Adidas and she bought me zips. I said, mom, what are you doing? You ruined my rap. She said, you're only 16. You don't have a rap yet. I said, mom, let's put these clothes back, please. She said, no. And we're back. Patreon, welcome back to this. And you've heard the rest. Not Patreon. Now you're here as well, I suppose. Gentlemen, let me ask you this. Does the movie mock Marcus's religion or does it buy into it? What role do you guys think religion and specifically Marcus's has in the movie? It feels like in the beginning, I was surprised how straight faced they were taking it because he is the hospital scenes when, when Mike is laid up in the coma. Martin really is acting his ass off as much as he can. Uh, and he's it's him praying to God. Right. When he's like, I won't be violent is a straight scene. Even though he says, Hey, our God, are you there? It's me, Marcus. It's not a joke. There's no rhythm of a joke there. It's right. just a line from that thing. Beverly uh, Cleary book. Yes. Who just turned 104, by the way. She's still that? kicking. Yeah. She's still writing about preteens. She still has it tapped in. Yes. She's still writing about super fudge, uh, <laughs> buying war bonds, planting a victory garden. Learning how to churn butter. Yeah, she's doing it all. Uh, I, it was not until Mike is back and it's in the sidecar scene, in that in that big freeway scene, that they start joking about it. Because he's like, I can't be violent. Like, And now the movie, like the way the camera, like America's Homeless Video, zooms in and out. It's like, what a doof. But for half the movie they're like this is a real thing and it means a lot to this guy and i was like wow okay movie and they're like nah he's an idiot well yeah i mean like or it's just some it's just another thing will smith can use to manipulate people mm-hmm. you know yeah i thought it was weird like typically outside of like kurt cameron movies we don't really have that many religious uh lead characters anymore yeah you know? so they did they did take it seriously when people who are religious pray and say if this happens then this happens do they really mean it like, do they really stop doing things if God answers? I think that um, saying, God, if you give me this, I will do this, uh, would be classified by most religious people as the wrong way to pray. Mm-hmm. Jack. And the way most people pray. <laughs> yeah. And the most common way to Simultaneously. pray. Simultaneously. I uh, pray that people stop praying like that. And if they do stop, God's going to give me a Corvette. God's going to give me a hand job, actually, if I uh, do a good At job Mike's on wedding. this show. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that means I'm going to get married a second time. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're doomed. <laughs> they aren't they all? They could have set up an interesting thing because so there's Marcus's religion, and then there's straight up in this fairly grounded action movie in the scheme of these days, there is just magic in this movie. And they don't really dwell on it, but there's magic ass magic in the first couple scenes, right. and then later in the and they could have had like a pretty surprising and interesting Bad Boys for Life take on religion v magic. All right, guys, let's get to it. I actually heard about this before I saw the movie, and I was confused. Uh, But the movie doesn't really play on it that much. Do you wish there was more or less witchery in Bad Boys for Life? More. More. Whole hog more. I wish it had been like, what's what's the Bond movie with Baron Samity? Where it's just like, yes, this person is magical. Yes, he has magic powers. We are trying to use guns to stop him. I love guns versus magic. It doesn't happen enough. <laughs> the classic dichotomy. In 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 the first scene, and this is this is a pretty like gripping and grueling action scene. Is in the prison when the Bruja's escaping. They she freezes the guard with a magic spell, 
And then yeah. everything after that is crazy violent in a cringeworthy way that most action movies like go over. But you see a guard fall out like filled with blood out of the washer. Like all of that stuff is really cool. And you're like, okay, I guess we're dealing with magic. And at the end, she sort of uses it again until the movie's like, nah, though, right? <laughs> we're yeah. done do with you, this. Do you wish that that brouhaha, brouhaha was funnier and maybe a brouhaha, haha? Yes. Ryan. I do too. Uh, if the movie spent one more second with magic, you guys don't think it would have completely fallen apart. And I'm not just playing devil's advocate. I'm straight up disagreeing with you guys. It would have been insane. I it, think that the insanity is embracing the insanity makes bad boys movies work and it makes them fun. I mean, the telenovela type drama and them lampshading the telenovela drama by having Martin Lawrence be into telenovelas. Was and then straight up ludicrous. at one point as a punchline, he was listening, and he says, and this is a typical Martin Lawrence punchline, this is like a damn telenovela. And that's yeah. it. That's that's the kind of thing Martin Lawrence said. It's like some of the writers got really into Jane the Virgin, and that's all they took from it. It's like, oh, do telenovela stuff, and then scream how you're doing telenovela stuff. Can we talk about that? I know we're talking about religion and magic. It's not Martin Lawrence's fault. It's this movie doesn't know how comedy works. It thinks it does. It thinks it's a very funny action movie. But the rhythm to the punchlines here are fucking awful. I actually think that, yeah, the script is not great, but I think Martin Lawrence does. I found him, yeah. and maybe it's because I'm older than you guys and I have a uh, Martin Lawrence bias, but I thought that there was so often you could tell that he was taking a nothing punchline mm-hmm. and sort of reworking it and just saying things in a dumb way or a surprising way, and that sort of made it funny. <laughs> when, the, when the ammo people were all singing the Bad Boys song, and then Will Smith and Martin Lawrence were like, no, you see, you can't do that. And Martin Lawrence was like, and it takes a long time to learn the <laughs> Yeah, that was that. It was so fucking funny. That was funny. That is yeah. a funny line. Because uh, you there, don't, can't tell if Marcus really believes that or if he's fucking with them. There is no song that takes less time to learn than that specific song. Another one um, is when um, somebody's watching him in the, aer- or in the airplane. They're talking. They're doing their like typical bad boys banter. And a yes. little girl hears him say the word dick. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I should have said penis, as if that solves the problem. <laughs> and then says, also, you should be, you know, uh, you should mind, mind your, your own business. business. <laughs> you should mind your own business. Which at that point, like, he's not even <laughs> acting. He's just pissed that this extra is fucking looking at him. And I, that's the sort of, like, extra, a little bit of extra that he brings to the movie. So I think those ones, yes, when it's just him uh, goosing dialogue to make it a little funnier, that worked. What didn't was uh, the scene when they're all in the club and they're all in the headsets talking and he's telling Will Smith he hasn't had sex yeah. in forever. And he's like, oh, there's computer. I'm like, this should be boom, boom, boom. Don't you know jokes shouldn't be flabby and longer? Like, cut this shit. Make it better paced. I agree, I agree. with Mike. All right, guys. That's it. Uh, it was weird that there was all the religion in this movie was weird, but I find all religion weird in general. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, give some awards. <laughs> oh, shit. Now, we can't give awards because it's speed round time. On your marks, get set, go. Should there be a minimum amount of time before you can get to the post credit sequence in a movie? Yes. How long should that be? Is it less than one millisecond like this movie? Uh, it is, it's 12 seconds. 12. That feels good. Should you have like actual writing in the credits on the screen? Yeah, yes. there should be a scroll. Yeah, the, the rules I thought was that you do the yeah. cool like stylized credits. Like you do the swoops and Spider-Man flips and then there's a scene and then you get the classic scroll credits. Then you get the boring credits, yeah. This is right away and it cuts to a thing where I guess they're setting up Bad Boys 4 where right. Will Smith's son is going to be on the team. And holy shit, I don't, get, I don't care at all. Will Smith's son, who has negative charisma points, uh-huh. who scored a critical fail on his charisma role. 
uh, for those of us who turned this off as fucking fast as we can, what happened in that post credit scene? Will Smith uh, goes up to a prison and says, how you doing, son? And the son says, I'm good. I'm doing my time. Like, it's taken a long time. And he was like, what if I told you there was an initiative that you could win back some good graces with the government? Oh, and he tosses him a little folder. Bad Boys for Life 4 is Suicide Squad. They're both going to be in it together along with everybody else. He's King he wa- Shark. He walked past, uh, like, young Bruce Banner and, uh, what's his name, Declan Shaw. Uh-huh. And then got to his son. I would have preferred he picked either of those two movies because I would rather see Hulk or Jason Statham in Bad Boys 4 than That's just his true. son that I don't care about. Is Vanessa Hudgens, I'm sorry, is Vanessa Ann Hudgens too famous for this role? No. I would have thought yes before watching it, but also maybe she knew she was going to make fun of coronavirus in like favor of Coachella. And so she's like, I think I might need this at this time. I don't think she has what it takes. I think she's demonstrated that she doesn't have what it takes to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the cattiest thing you'll hear me say on this <laughs> podcast. I could hear cattier. Jack. Does Mike's arc going from not wanting a baby to becoming a fully fledged human pay off at all? Do we end at, if, like at least the trilogy with Mike growing at all? Nope. He, he it's almost bold how not bold they did. He grew like real people grow in a weekend because that's like this movie takes place over a weekend to two weeks time, and so he grows the same amount, but not that what we promised movies grow. He should become a completely different person now. He should have been married to that woman, and instead they're like, now we can talk to each other without screaming. Yeah, I think that movie wants you to think that, like, in order for him to change as much as he should, it would have to become a different genre. So, sorry, our hands are tied. You know, we're just stuck in an action movie, and this is how it works. Yeah, there is a uh, contract with the audience that Will Smith is going to do cool Will Smith shit, which prevents him from being any different than, like, which is why they let Martin Lawrence grow and become a peepaw. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Will Smith is, uh, the promise is that he's going to be Will Smith. I think he's it was PP. Sexy granddaddy. All right, that's uh, that's the speed round. When we come back, we will hand out those actual awards. Gentlemen, this is your last chance to get points, so do it good. You guys are both going to nominate somebody for each of these awards, and I'm going to choose the winner. Our first one is Pound for Pound Performance, who, in a movie that is just a, like, the 1927 Yankees of acting. Just it's nonstop Meryl Streep's. Who do you put above everyone else? Jack, we're going to you first. Joe Pantoliano. Why? Because he was the only actu- person actually acting in this movie. I mean, he gave a hammy performance, but for the most part, he, he had to be the uh, heart of it. He had to be the only real. He was kind of like both uh, parodying a screaming chief 
but also trying to be the the grounding influence that makes it brings it from the real world into the cartoonish uh bad boys he was this is what a realistic guy how a realistic uh bureaucrat would react to uh having an employee like mike lowry it's crazy that just throwing him in jail <laughs> yeah yeah and he's Mike, also yeah. won over him because if you were just a normal like suit and you hang out with the Milsif, there would be times where you're like, "God damn, you're cool." <laughs> uh, just I want to introduce a dark horse candidate. He was only in for one scene, but it's pound for pound. Uh, and maybe it was uh, I've seen him in other movies, and he's only ever bad in this. He was trying, and I I bought that he was scared that Will Smith was going to break the shit out of his hands. I was blown away by DJ Khaled. Are you fucking serious yeah, right now? I think he crushed it. Like yeah. his hands got crushed. Joey Pants is the clear, clear winner. DJ Khaled can't even be a DJ, much less an the, actor. This is the first time that you'll hear me say this about DJ Khaled, but in terms of pounds, he did have less to work with. Um, he's a he's a great big fat man, but um, <laughs> is what I'm trying he, to say. Is what I'm trying to say, but he Wait. he had fewer scenes. Is he a great big fat man. Mike, cringiest moment. Uh, I can't just say the character of Mike Lowry, right? So you can say whatever you want. Uh, I, I will narrow it down to the scene where they're in a van, and he is so disturbed that these 19-year-old girls in bikinis are going to see him, a 64-year-old man in a minivan. He puts on his sunglasses uh, to the point that Martin Lawrence starts fucking with him and quotes Jurassic Park by saying, Mike Lowry here. We got Mike Lowry. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Was that, did he really say it like that? Yes. It was, it was a dura- I just assume that's part of Marcus's character, that he loves Jurassic Park. That he footnotes Jurassic Park. <laughs> It's, in my opinion, the only good part of Jurassic Park. Uh, Jack, who do we got for cringiest moment? My cringiest moment was down to a few things. Uh, one candidate was when the hacker guy uh, mentioned how he was going on 4chan to try and find the original source of the, uh, of the, of the shooter. Um, but the winner has to be at the wedding when the entire wedding says together, we ride together, we die together, bad boys for life. Jack. Nerds. Yeah. Come on. What the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck? It was so bad. Uh, so we have two new directors here that are trying to like do Michael Bay and not do Michael Bay at the same time. Uh, what do you think, let's start with Jack, is the director's signature moment here? Um, so w- that's interesting because they're, they're basically doing a, you know, it's like in superhero movies when they all have to conform to the, to the Marvel House style. But they had to conform to the Michael Bay style. They had we talked about the shot of the camera moving around in a circle while they're getting out of the car, which was obligatory. Um, but um, there was a lot of kind of low, uh, low angles of the of the um, cars while they were driving, which felt new in a way that the previous movies and even Fast and the Furious don't do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, low, basically like right next to the wheels shots of the car and that felt that that was few and far between but that was like oh this isn't michael bay anymore gotcha mike what do you got mine's do the motorcycle chase i guess (laughs) you think they're always just gonna have motorcycle chases even if they're like doing a courtroom drama the highly choreographed motorcycle chase that like to have an action scene where everything is moving and you know where everybody is at all times i think is very impressive and to keep up with the logic of that yeah, I think the thing to do if you're in these director's spots is to uh, do the obligatory Michael Bay things, but make sure that everybody knows that the people b- behind John Wick is who you idolize, not mm-hmm. Michael Bay, you know? Yeah. And I think that the motorcycle chase did that. But 
Jack's ears was like a real thing. So Jack. You get the you get the point there. The they still got it award. Guys, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence. We've talked about him a lot. What was the one moment where you were like, yeah, they still got it, Mike? Uh, they're in the garage and Mike Lowry is like on the verge of tears and tells Martin Lawrence his origin story uh, of like, she made me everything I am, everything that Mike Lowry is. She, she gave me these vests or whatever. And Martin says, Mike, you fucked a married witch. <laughs> and <laughs> Will Smith is like, everything I told you, that's what you take away. That banter and rhythm and like all of it. I was like, yes, I would watch this for sure. All right, Jack, did you fuck a married witch? And then follow up question. What was your they still got it moment? Uh, first of all, I don't have to answer that question. Um, that's it's neither here nor there. It's not germane. Uh, whether yes. I did or didn't fuck a married <laughs> witch, um, I'm avoiding it. Uh, Who is the person you keep talking to? You keep covering up the mic, and you, you you're whispering to the lady in a business suit <laughs> next to you. Who is this lady? Uh, so that is a that is a married witch. <laughs> okay, yeah, admit. that's what I thought it was. <laughs> okay, so my um my they still got it moment was actually during the motorcycle chase. Uh, the banter when Will Smith is trying to convince Martin Lawrence to give up his covenant with God <laughs> and um, and return to a life of violence. And he's saying, who do you think gave you that gun? Yeah, God. And then he <laughs> says, he, he says, you're like David, David with his slingshot against Goliath. Bad boys of the Bible. And then and Will and Martin Lawrence is like, yeah, yeah. Bad boys of the Bible. And like that banter was a they still got it moment for me. Uh both are great. I can't believe how much I want to watch a fourth one, but I'm going to give that one to Mike. Mike. And then finally, uh, and this is different than that they still got it, which uh, part of the storyline, the characters, the arcing, which scene, the Michael Bay of it all, what makes you actually want a fourth movie? Uh, Jack, what do you got? Oh, I mean, I hate to keep uh, uh, returning to this, but the motorcycle chase scene. Um, I mean, that was that was the centerpiece of the movie. That was that made the whole thing work. That made the, uh, you know, the telenovela plot line, the son who was a completely he was a he was a vacuum. He was not an interesting actor. I mean, even his fight scenes were like weird and ninja like. But this uh, shooting, shooting bad guys that are chasing you uh, and a cameo from a. One of the biggest Latin pop stars in the country. I don't know to what extent you guys are familiar with Nicky Jam's music, but he he's a huge. Th- you can tell that it's a cameo. We talked about this. You know the the guy who played Zuelo because all of his lines are like, "Oh man, Conio, that's gonna leave a mark." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, that was your best take." <laughs> um, but when they're when Zuelo is chasing them, that's uh, that's what I want more of. And so. Uh, just so everybody knows, that's why we went and got Jack on this show. He is the host of the Nikki Jam podcast. He is the biggest <laughs> fan. He fucking loves that guy. Tune into that podcast. Uh, so, all right. So we have uh, the motorcycle chase slash Nikki Jam moment. Mike, what makes you want a fourth? Uh, it, it's two moments of violence that kind of bookend the movie that they were well done and interesting and just goofy enough. The first one is, is the the vacuum of a sun. Uh, his spinny knife kill scene where he takes out a few people with that knife. I was like, oh, yeah, I could watch this knife spin forever. Uh, and then the computer hacker guy just straight up tackling a building uh, <laughs> and starting to knock it down. I love people fighting architecture, and I want that all the time. And it's like the, Godzilla. The, Godzilla's a big deal for you, right? Because he just but, kicks buildings all day? <laughs> sure, but he's very big. I want normal pint-sized folks doing it. That's like when Vin Diesel – uh, stamps his foot and takes down a whole parking structure. Oh my God! Do you remember In that Fast shit? Fast Six. Uh, there's people taking build. Fuck buildings. They think so that they're better than us. So high and mighty. 
So, Mike, you did cheat. This is getting alarmingly pro-anti-American uh, at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hesitate to ask you your opinions on the events of September 11th of 2001. <laughs> oh, I have never forgotten. But my team is different than you would expect. I just wish that like, maybe there was a different time for Vin Diesel to be on the top of that building, <laughs> stepping on it as hard as he could. <laughs> It's like a fucking liz- giant lizard in Rampage. Uh, Mike, you did cheat by bringing up two things, but you brought up Vin Diesel, <laughs> so you get the point. Guys, that's it for the awards. I'm gonna We're going to take a break. I'm going to tally up all of the scores. And when we come back, the winner of Bad Boys for Life. Gunning this, brother running this, buffalo soldier. Look, it's like I told you. Any damsel that's in distress, be out of that dress when she meet Jim West. Rough neck, so go check the lawn and buy. Watch your step reflect and get a hole in your side. Swallow your pride, don't let your lip react. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. With Artemis from the start of this, running the game. James West, taming the West, so remember the name. Now who you gonna call? Now, now who you gonna call? If you ever rip with people want to bust, break out. I have tabulated the scores, gentlemen, and I will say that there's an average of 33. 66 points were scored. What do you guys think? Who got 34 and who got 32? Wow. That's so close. What neck and neck. So which one of us is the Marcus and which one of us is the Mike? (laughs) Where we ostensibly have more uh, moral points but ultimately are the butt of the joke. Yes, I'm going to guess, uh, because I have uh, poor ego, I don't know what the word for that is, low self-esteem, uh, and I was listening, I think I think my bet, my money's on Jack. My money would be on me too, but I think it's just because you were being, uh, being a gracious host to your guest. Yeah, that false modesty, Jack, gets Jack two points, and now it's a Jack. tie. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> you really fucked that one up at the end, didn't you? Everybody wins. I'm usually I'm used to having just rage at my competitor because they're a real dick. I've never competed against somebody who's just like a chill dude before. Wait, typically so. I'm your competitor. So mm. are you competing with somebody else? Who are you talking about right now? Tompkins. Jack. And Jack here. wins the game. <laughs> Jack got the 35th point that we all needed because Mike just can't keep his fucking mouth shut. But that means uh. you're cursed to come back. So, gentlemen. Oh, wow. I'm, this- I'm, I'm all for it. This question uh, is a weird one, but I have to ask it anyway. What is Bad Boys for Life's chances in being the best picture of 2020? 2020 has already been a weird year, and it's only going to get weirder. Um, Sub 10 above 5, so I'm going to call it 8%. 8%, okay. Yeah, I think shockingly high. Shockingly high that this could be the best move of the year, because right now so many movies move to fall. But my money is on all those movies that got moved to fall are going to move to 2021. So yeah. I think four movies are coming out this year. So I think Bad Boys for Life has a fighting chance. I mean, I think right now its biggest competitor is Trolls World Tour. And I don't know how that's going to end up. I love when sequels go versus sequels. <laughs> that's all we want. Uh, that is the show. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Jack, thank you so much for guesting. I thought that you did awesome. You clearly did. You won the fucking game. So congratulations to you. Thank you uh, for having me. Is there any other place that we can find you? Like your address, what is that? Uh, my address is um, uh, undisclosed. Uh, it's moving at any given point. It is on, in Miami Beach, though. 
um, with the bad boys. Um, I uh, I host a podcast. Uh, it's also about movies, and um, it's specifically about media depictions of sobriety and recovery. Uh, called Sobriety Sucks. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter, but we have a bad. Uh, I think we're just Sob Sucks on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, are you yourself sober? I am. Four years. And do you think it sucks? Sometimes. Sometimes. More than other sobriety influencers will tell you. <laughs> They're just lying. Uh, Mike, tell us a website that we can go to. We can go to yourpopfilter.com to get everything our greater family puts out, all kinds of podcasts. And if you want eight-year-old articles, you know we got them at yourpopfilter.com. Uh, if you need supplies, throw on a slash Amazon at the end of that. If I don't know if we're allowed to use them yet. Don't break any strikes. But if we're allowed to use them, throw on a slash Amazon at the end of that. Uh, it helps us out while you get your toilet paper. Donate. Go to that website and donate money to Amazon. And I'm sure that money will go directly to the employees where it belongs. Yes. Uh, Jack, do you know what other shows Mike and I do? <laughs> Just take I some guesses. Your pop filter is not a show. Fucking That's idiot. The, God the damn it. Umbrella. That is Movie the umbrella. of the year? Maybe yeah. album of the year? No. No, but that would we be do smart. We're going to trademark that right now. That's our idea. Nobody else take it. This is movie of the year. We do one about uh TV shows based on comic books. What do you think that show should be called? <laughs> um Comic Relief. Oh, that's better. Right, so we call it the superhero show show. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I like that. And then, of course, you can always find me and Mike every week going over the entire run of the seminal Fox TV teen soap opera, The O.C., on The O.C.D. We have the Orange County Disorder, and we talk about it a lot. Mike, what do you do if you listen to those shows and you like them? Uh, you just tell everybody about them. Just tell people about them. That actually is the – I'm going to say a bunch of other bullshit that we all say, but just tell your friends about these shows if you like them. Uh, but you should subscribe to them wherever you get your shows. You should rate them. You should review them. Apparently, that helps out all those algorithms. Those algorithms. You can also contact us if you'd like to in a couple of ways. You can email us, contact at yourpopfilter.com, and let us know if you think that Black Knight is a superior film to all of the uh, Big Mama's House movies. I think it might be. That's a different that – we're going to do that in a different season, just all the Big Mama's House movies. You can also reach us on Twitter. We are at, at Your Pop Filter. And on Instagram, we are at Your Pop Filter. Mike, did I leave anything out? Thank you to Shady Monk for giving us those sweet, sweet tunes. You can find him on Bandcamp, on SoundCloud, on Twitter. And he's been doing a lot of live shows with other cool electronic DJ folks. I don't know what the kids call music these days. Beautiful. Thank you. That is the show. That is uh, our thoughts on Bad Boys for Life. When we come back, we are going to be reviewing the movie Sometimes, maybe, never, always. What is that? Do you guys remember the name of that movie? Trolls World Two. That's that's what it's called. Trolls World Two. Uh, for Ryan, I am Jack. For Jack, I'm Mike. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Mike, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Ryan. For Mike, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Ryan. And we are the world. Peace out. <laughs>